Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Travis Watts. Thanks for being on the show, Travis. Thanks so much for having me, Whitney. Yeah, I'm excited about this interview and pleasure to meet you, Travis. And a little about Travis. He's an apartment investor, a passive income advocate, and is a director of investor relations at Ashcroft Capital. So Travis, give us a little more about your background and investing and and what you're up to, and then let's dive in. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I originally got into real estate investing in 2009 in the single family space. So I started doing a little bit of house hacking where I was renting out some spare bedrooms. I got into some fix and flips. I did some single family buy and holds and some vacation rentals. I was all in the Colorado market. All my properties were in my own backyard. And uh, funny thing is I originally set out to be a passive investor and to scale a portfolio of single family homes acquiring, you know, maybe two or three a year at most over time to have 50 or 100 one day. That was kind of the the big goal at the time. As I got a small handful of portfolios that I was actively managing, I quickly realized that was going to be really tough to scale that model. I was spending a lot of my time managing them where I didn't really anticipate that happening. I was working a full-time job simultaneously. So I had to kind of take a step back, reevaluate and say, you know, how am I going to scale this? Tried a couple, you know, property management groups and things, but really ended up doubling the workload at that point. I was now managing property managers in addition to my tenants and I had all the same problems. They certainly didn't go away. So that's when I learned about uh, syndications and being literally 100% passive with investing. So Long story short, I ended up liquidating that portfolio of self-managed properties and going 100% into real estate syndication. Nice. That It's a similar story to mine. I actually started in, in 2009 with small, very small multis, thinking like that was the only way. I didn't know about this big world of syndication at the time, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that's awesome. But so, you know, you really got to the point to where it's like, wait a minute. This is going to be very difficult to scale this. And it's it's definitely not passive. Even if you had that manager, it wasn't passive, you said, right? Right. In my case, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody recently had just reminded me of this, but you know, the whole world of real estate investing is all self-taught. I mean, you, you've got to be the go-getter to get out there and get that information. So probably in a similar way, we started with with a particular mindset based off, you know, one individual or one book or something. And then, yeah, the more you scale out and expand your mind, it's like, wow, there's a whole lot more out there I could be doing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so then you decided to liquidate. I mean, that's a pretty big step to say, okay, I'm selling all of this and going this other route over here. How did you educate yourself enough to know that that was the correct move? That's a good question. So it didn't, didn't happen all at once. It wasn't a, a knee-jerk reaction by any means. When I had first learned about syndications, I was still a bit skeptical about, you know, what was the catch there. But I was so set on not managing tenants any longer and doing all the active roles. So I did one syndication. That's how I got started. I just did one. You know, I forget. I did the bare minimum investment on it. And I said about maybe three to six months and I just kicked back and I just watched it, right? I watched, I want to make sure, do I really get 
monthly reporting? Do I really get monthly distributions? <laughs> you know, are they going to do what they say they're going to do? And after I kind of saw that unfold in real time firsthand, I thought that's absolutely the path I want to take, 100%. Okay, so I think that's that's so smart. So you invested in one, then you just you said you you just waited. So you're a patient, right? Like let's check this out. Let's test the waters. As much as I wanted to just throw it all in day one, <laughs> I knew it was going to take a lot of vetting of teams, getting to know people, building relationships, and you know I was realizing quickly, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I certainly didn't want to put all my capital with maybe one group later to find out that wasn't the best group to invest with. So how did you build that relationship to the point you were comfortable investing more or, uh, you know, and, and more? That's a great question too. So obviously that's a relationship. I, this all is a relationship business. So starts with just understanding, you know, this team exists out there. They do these types of deals. They're in these types of markets. That's kind of a first step. If that resonates with you if those are markets that that you also believe in and that's the type of asset you like to invest in for whatever reason take it to the next level reach out get to know the syndicators if possible maybe set up a a face-to-face meeting a big thing i do is i attend a lot of uh, networking events whether that be local or just nationwide uh, just to get word of mouth referrals figure out who else is investing with with what groups and what their experience has been uh, that always goes a long way with me is is uh, the gut check of meeting the individual themselves and getting the word of mouth referrals, not always from the group, because, of course, they're going to give you, you know, their <laughs> their best followers. <laughs> right. So I guess, how did that change, though? Like as far as, you know, in the beginning, you kind of had to learn how to not just vet that sponsor to some extent, you know, in the, initially, and you may not know how, but you gave it that time, you were patient uh, to test the waters a little bit. But what about vetting the deal and, and vetting the market also? Yeah, that's a great question too. So just one step at a time, quite literally, like I said, it'll start with, okay, I'm taking a look at a deal right now. I'm personally, I like the B-class assets. I don't do a lot of, you know, investing in ground up construction or brand new luxury, things like that. And I also don't like to go into the, you know, C-class, D-class, you know, rougher neighborhoods, uh, harder to manage, stuff like that, or maybe a property with no occupancy currently with a big plan to, to fill the whole thing up. There's just more risk. I mean, bottom line, my risk tolerance isn't that, that high. So if it's a B class, if it's in a good market that's growing and expanding, that's diversified with jobs and employment opportunities specific to workforce uh, housing tenants, those are the main factors that I look at. In addition to, of course, the numbers are obviously important, but I think it's more about the team and their ability to execute the business plan. I don't just jump right to the numbers and say that deal's 10%, that deal's seven, I'm going to do the 10. There's a lot more to it. I think I kind of started that way, thinking that was the most important factor and and find the highest deal. But in some of those first deals, I quickly realized that, uh, you know, they weren't going to hit those numbers anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it is about the operator, right? It's all about yeah. the team. Yeah. And I think as as an LP or a limited partner, I mean, hopefully the team knows more about the numbers than you do. Yeah, right. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, and so maybe you can elaborate even more on things you were looking at or, or maybe even how that's changed to now. Like, you know, hmm. things, tips you could provide now that you wish you had known on that first deal that you invested in. Yeah, great. So the the first two to three deals I did... I was totally deal focused. 
I was really reading hard into the pro forma. Like I said, the numbers, this one's got better numbers than those numbers. So I'm going to go with this one. And I, I wasn't doing much due diligence on the team. wasn't doing much digging on what's their track record. What's their history? Who's on the team? How long they've been there? You know, that kind of stuff. And I think that was a, a, a huge mistake for me. Thankfully, the asset class itself, I think, is just a great asset to be in. And all the deals had actually performed as expected, despite maybe having a team with a lack of experience or a track record. But, you know, just things like frequent communication and accuracy of reporting. And, you know, if they tell you, we send distributions out on the 15th, realizing that some groups that that's a loose guideline and for others it's always on the 15th and just kind of realizing that there's teams with a higher competency level so all of my time now because I'm I consider myself a full-time apartment investor as a limited partner which is kind of the irony right it's 100% passive but I'm full-time but all of my time is spent vetting out operators and and groups and getting references and referrals and elaborate again on how you got referrals Yeah. So I will absolutely ask the sponsors themselves for referrals. That's always a great thing to do, but I won't just solely rely on that because they're going to, like I said, give you two or three of their best investors. And of course it's always, things are great and they're awesome. So I'm going to take it a step further. And a lot of times that comes out of just meetup groups, you know, locally or nationally seminars, uh, any type of real estate gathering or online forums, maybe, you know, hop onto bigger pockets and, you know, search for that, that syndicator group, right. See kind of what the perception is out there for other folks. So kind of a combination of all of this. It's a gut check with me meeting one-on-one or by phone or by zoom conference with the group and then getting their referral list, talking to those folks and then going out and, and trying to do my own due diligence that way. I don't think I've ever had anybody mention like having a Zoom call with the deal sponsor. To me, it's always nicer to try to do a face-to-face. I, I understand yeah. completely. It's not always reasonable, right? You're, you're say, in LA and, and the group's out of New York City. It's not feasible to, I'm going to jump on a plane and go there and shake your hand. But, uh, you know, if you, can, if you can tie that up at an event or something, uh, that's always a great way to do it. But yeah, a web call, definitely done that. I like that. I mean, that's great. So even as a LP, request that, right? Say, hey, could we have a Zoom call or schedule a Zoom call so we could just meet face-to-face? And I I think that's a great idea. A lot can be deciphered by by having face-to-face interaction. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else that uh, from an LP, now that, you know, you've moved to, or maybe you could elaborate, if you can elaborate, you know, tell us like your transition from being an LP to now moving in more of an active role or part of an active business or, you know, sponsorship team. Yeah, absolutely. So I've invested with, I don't know the the actual number, I'm going to say somewhere in the ballpark of 14 different groups in the syndication space, all different types of deals. One that really aligned with me personally as an investor was uh, Ashcroft Capital. And so Joe Fairless is the, the co-founder of Ashcroft Capital. Just everything from the team to the competency level, to the types of deals, to the markets they were in, to the monthly reporting, monthly distributions. Again, I just started with one deal. That's it. Set back and let it ride. You know, did two, did three, did four. I'm in, uh, currently, I think, nine of their deals as of uh, today. So after a while of that and, uh, you know, just letting my own network know, how things were going and watching performers get exceeded. I wanted to be part of that team that really resonated with me because though I am 100% passive as an apartment investor, I still like to do something actively with my time. So 
Joe Fairless had given me an opportunity just here recently to be part of the Ashcroft team as a director of investor relations. So I do the same thing I've always done. I just walk through deals with individuals. I just help explain the business model. I just help share why I like the deals and why I invest in them. That's really what I do. No, that's great. That's awesome. It's neat that you've been able to take that role and and really go from, I mean, it just shows the mindset change and how you've educated yourself as well. So, you know, you were focused on single family homes. You had this goal or vision of 50 to 100, and that's what it was going to take to have this like passive income, right? To the point now to where obviously you're educated enough to where you can tell investors about deals and you can vet deals and you can walk them through those things. That's incredible. So incredible transformation and how you've educated yourself. So, you know, what does that look like now on a daily basis to be in that type of role for obviously a a well-established company? I know them all personally as well and thank the world of Joe. And so, you know, what does that look like to have that position maybe on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Great question as well. In general, I just like talking real estate. (laughs) with anybody willing to talk real estate. I don't care what type of real estate you're in. I like hearing about a new development deal. I like hearing about your fix and flip success or you as a general partner and and what you think, you know, you're doing right in the industry or, or could improve on or giving my opinion on, on a particular deal somebody has anything like that. I would say rather than day to day, because I don't really have a a strict schedule of any kind, but I attend a lot of events. So you probably run into me there if, if you're the type of person that goes to real estate meetups and real estate events. That's just a great way to network and, you know, expand your mindset, share experience and learn some new things. That's basically what I do, <laughs> both personally and, and with Ashcroft as well. So Awesome. Okay. So what's been the hardest part for you, Travis, from making that transition from, you know, where you were at with those single family homes to where you are now? Yeah, I I think that uh, not so much with me, but I know with a lot of individuals, it's hard to give up control. It's hard to say, I'm going to choose that person over there to make the best decision on my behalf, whether they choose to refinance a property, sell it, continue to hold it longer than they expected you know, whatever it may be. Again, I don't find that extremely hard, but you know, the more and more deals I do and the more and more teams I invest with, I just realized that, you know, I've selected a handful of folks I'm I'm putting my full faith and trust into. It's not easy to, you know, fork up a hundred thousand dollars and say, you know, I hope you're going to make the decision that I would make. <laughs> so that, that sometimes I, I have a, a little bit of a struggle with it. But, you know, when I find a, a great partnership, like I have with Ashcroft, you know, I just continue doing deal after deal with them. I'm not doing every deal just because it's available. Of course, I'm vetting the deals, you know, individually, but that can definitely be tough on a lot of people. Could you elaborate on like your buying criteria now or criteria for that ideal property that you're looking to invest in? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want to make sure it's got enough value add potential. Number one, there's certainly different stages of value add. It could be as simple as, well, that property only needs, you know, a little landscaping help and some exterior paint. That's it. I don't feel like that would be a deal I would invest in just solely because I don't think something like that's really going to bump rents enough to justify it. But on the flip side of that, I don't want to take on a project where, like I said, the occupancy is super low and it needs pretty much everything done including new plumbing and electrical and new roofs and new everything. Uh, That's a lot, even for a very experienced team. 
that's a very tough project to pull off. So I'm looking for some kind of middle of the road needs uh, new flooring, new carpets, new blinds, new appliances, maybe adding, you know, some value add to the tenants like a larger gym or maybe putting in like a dog park or some covered carports for parking or some on-site self-storage so people don't have to drive as far to storage units, things like that. Those are the types of deals I look for in the B-class arena. Typically, 200 unit to 600 unit. That's kind of, you know, the playground that I'm in as an investor for any group I invest with. So another question about, you probably get this. And you know, when you're talking to a potential deal sponsor, we'll say as, uh, as an LP or, and you can answer it as an LP or uh, working for the, uh, the Ashcroft team, but preparing for that downturn mm-hmm. or the potential downturn that everybody, you know, is talking mm-hmm. about, are you asking a deal sponsor you know, how are they preparing for this? Or what is that answer you like to hear? Or how are you all preparing? Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, Yeah, I absolutely ask that question. (laughs) I've always asked that question. And I always will, even if we're coming out of a downturn, because it's an important question. I like to see how they respond to that. I have my own philosophy on that, and reasons why I invest in value add multifamily, primarily. And um, the bottom line to me is, I'm always looking for something that's going to ride out the recessions. There's obviously times to be in different types of projects. There's nothing wrong with like a, a new development or a highly distressed property, but there's better times to be in those uh, types of investments. A typical standard middle of the road value add, I think there's always kind of a reason to be in that space for the most part. Shouldn't say always, but you know, for the most part. And uh, if you look at the history of them, you know, a lot of these are, you know, from the 70s or the 80s, sometimes the 90s. Well, they've been through recessions, right? And so a lot of times you'll have that track record, you'll be able to look back and see, well, hey, you know, worst case scenario here, they at least were able to cash flow and hold on to that property through 2008 and 2009. That's not always the case in every asset class, uh, as you're aware. Yeah. So are there any other questions around like the downturn or anything like that or answers that you like to hear, you know, when you're kind of establishing? Absolutely. So I'll give you another example with some other groups I've invested with. Their personal philosophy is, well, if we go into a recession, we're just going to hold tight on what we have and we're going to stop doing deals and we're just going to wait it out. And then it's going to bottom. And then a couple of years later, hopefully it starts uptrending. At that point, we'll start looking for new opportunities. Not my favorite answer. I prefer let's continue looking for opportunities throughout a recession. There's obviously going to be deals that are going to come available that may have higher returns than what you were just getting a year or two ago. I like to just keep the ball moving. I am a firm believer there's always a time to buy real estate. doesn't matter if we're talking about mid-2008 or we're talking about 2007, or we're talking about 2010, always a deal or an opportunity is somewhere in there. It's about finding a team that can identify that, get it under contract, make a business plan and execute on it. No doubt. And is there a, say, setback or mistake possibly that you can elaborate on as an LP that maybe you wish that you had done a little more due diligence or um, anything like that? Certainly, a couple of the first groups that I'd invested with, I was so focused on the deal specifics that I sort of left out the key component of, you know, the team and the track record. And of course, I would do some due diligence there. It just wasn't nearly enough. It was have a quick phone call. Hey, what's your name? This is my name. So I hear your deals available. Okay, I have 50k I can invest. That was just the totally wrong approach, obviously, to take. 
And, you know, I would also, I wouldn't say I was deceived or lied to by some sponsors, but there were ways to kind of maybe fudge the numbers, such as uh, one of these sponsors that told me, well, I have 15 years experience in the space. And I would think, oh, well, sounds pretty good. You You must know what you're doing. Well, come to find out after I had invested 15 years experience doing like fix and flips in single family real estate, one and a half years in the syndication space. They definitely did not have the track record I was looking for or hoping for. And uh, again, it's not that they had lied about it, but you know, that was my mistake for not clarifying that and digging a little deeper. Wow. So what's a way that either you personally or Ashcroft have improved your business uh, that we could apply to ours? I think the model of, so everyone's going to have a different answer to this or a different philosophy on this. I love keeping a pulse on my investments, not to the extreme of, you know, if I was investing in stocks, not to the point of checking my account every single day and seeing what happened or hour by hour, but I like monthly reporting and I like monthly distributions. And I like the ability to have open communication when I have a question. It's not going to be, oh, I left him a voicemail last Thursday and I haven't heard back and, and today's Tuesday, you know. Or if I send an email, I just switch bank accounts. I'd like to get that updated before the next distribution. It drives me nuts when, when it gets sent to the old bank. Oh, I missed your email. You know, we'll get it next month and things like that. So I think everybody could focus a little more on, you know, keeping the frequency and open communication up with limited partners uh, specifically. It's okay to do like quarterly distributions, quarterly reporting, but just make sure that you have an open communication line for those maybe a bit more needy like myself that may have a question in, you know, in that three month period. Yeah, great answer. And I, and I always ask too, somebody like yourself, you know, your best advice for caring for investors. And, and so they want to come back and you may have already answered that, but just in case, is there anything else? Just, uh, I also subscribe to the philosophy of uh, under promise over deliver. I always try to do that myself. That's something Ashcroft Capital definitely does. And it's something I've learned that not a lot of groups necessarily do in the space. Very important. Is there any way that they or, or any group, you don't even have to name them, but that have stood out as far as over delivering? Yeah, the most obvious or the most common, I should say, would be like on a pro forma. So they say we're projecting maybe a 7% cash flow in the first year. At the end of 12 months, it turned out it was actually 8% or something like that. Just a small little bump or on the back end of the equity, thinking it'll end up being you know this percentage or this dollar amount, but it's actually... 15% higher than that, you know, congrats, or we were able to refinance early, we were able to find a, a buyer early, things like that are always a common way to over deliver. In addition to, you know, like we spoke about earlier in our call, the, the distributions, if you tell your investors, I'm going to distribute, you know, every month on the 15th, do it between the 13th and the 15th every month. Don't be late. Don't cause the, the calls to come in. You know, I didn't get my, my payment this month. What's going on? Easy way to over deliver. Love that. And what would you say is the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Education. 100%. Man, I just wish when I first was in real estate, I had read maybe two books and I had known four people. <laughs> that, was, that was my network and my knowledge. It's like, why didn't I read 25 books that year, right? Why wasn't I in, in real estate groups then? Because I would have saved a lot of time and a lot of money throughout that progression, probably would have ended up in multifamily sooner, but at least I would have done strategies that would have benefited me more than, than what I actually did. So, And how do you like to give back? 
My wife and I do a lot of charity events, more so than we've ever done this year, which is great. In addition to charity, though, I just feel that sharing your knowledge and experience, whatever that is, whatever field you're in, is hugely beneficial to other people. I know that's added a tremendous value to me. And so that's what I do. I guess we could call it day to day, certainly week to week, is just jump on phone calls with people and, you know, how can I add value to you and how can I help? And, you know, oh, you're an investor with that group as well. That's cool. What's your experience been? You know, tell me some stories there. So. Awesome. Travis, I appreciate your time today and elaborating just from your experience and just the uh, transformation from, uh, I mean, similar to myself, like thinking small multis was the way to go. And then really it hit me in the face that way, this is going to be really difficult to scale this and not as passive as you had originally thought it was going to be, uh, but making the transition to where you're at today and, and all the techniques from being a limited partner and how you vet deals and sponsors and, and what was important to you at that time compared to now. appreciate that. But more importantly, at the moment, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Best way is always by email for me. You can simply email me at Travis at AshcroftCapital.com. And uh, you can also find me on you know LinkedIn and, and Facebook and things like that. So definitely reach out if you've got questions about passive investing, how to scale your portfolio, you just want to strategize, share information. And certainly if you have any questions about uh, Ashcroft Capital, their deals, or just want to uh, learn more, reach out to me uh, for that reason as well. Awesome. That's a wrap, Travis. Thank you very much. Cool. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.